Hello and welcome to your San Diego News Fix. I'm Abby Hamblin filling in for Christy Totten. Today we'll talk to Deborah Brennan, politics reporter at the UT, about the special election in the 79th Assembly District. Then, community opinion editor Laura Castaneda will share how the opinion section is tackling a very important issue for women in its pages this weekend. First, the news. UC San Diego announced Wednesday that when the fall quarter begins in September, it will bring students back at nearly full capacity. The university estimates that about 36,000 of its 40,000 students will return to campus and its residence halls will be almost 100% full. Some students will continue studying online. Students will be asked to wear masks and keep social distancing with three feet of space between them. Athletic events and social gatherings are also expected to be phased in, as long as the risk of COVID-19 infection on campus remains low. San Diego County will begin discussions with two community choice aggregation programs that would serve as alternatives to San Diego Gas and Electric for energy contracts in unincorporated areas. One of the options in consideration is San Diego Community Power, with San Diego, Chula Vista, Encinitas, La Mesa, and Imperial Beach as members. And the other is the Clean Energy Alliance, which comprises the cities of Del Mar, Solana Beach, and Carlsbad as members. The guiding principles for the San Diego County Board of Supervisors in these discussions include cost competitiveness compared to San Diego Gas and Electric and commitment to 100% renewable energy by 2030. Also in county news, the Board of Supervisors is creating a new Department of Homeless Solutions and Equitable Communities. Officials say the department will be used as a way to better collaborate with jurisdictions and community partners on homelessness and used to leverage state and federal funding for San Diego County. Election day for the special primary in the 79th Assembly District took place on Tuesday. Dr. Shirley Weber, who was previously the assembly member for that district, was appointed to serve as California's new Secretary of State earlier this year. The 79th District includes parts of Southeast San Diego, Bonita, Chula Vista, La Mesa, Lemon Grove, and National City. In the race, there were five candidates, four of them Democrats. They were Aramique Glass-Blake, Leticia Munguia, Shane Parmalee, and Akila Weber. There was one Republican, Marco Contreras, in the race. Deborah Brennan, politics reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune, has been covering this election and is here to walk us through what we know so far. Thank you for being here. Sure, nice to be here. So if early results hold, and you have a story on uh, the Union-Tribune website right now about this, Dr. Akila Weber will avoid the runoff that would have been required if no candidate won a majority of the vote. Even if she falls short of 50%, she'll make that runoff against the number two vote getter. How was her campaign so successful? Um, well, I think there's several things. Um, she's, uh, she's a strong candidate to begin with. She's the only elected official of the five candidates who are running. So that always provides a somewhat of an advantage. Um, she's a doctor uh, with a you know, very extensive professional experience during an era of pandemic, which certainly helped with uh, her credibility to handle the, the current COVID situation. Um, and she had a, a fundraising effort that far outpaced any of the other candidates. Her, her campaign totals for her individual candidate campaign and a PAC set up on her behalf 
um, came in at near a million dollars. That's far more than all the other candidates together, let alone any one of them. So she definitely had a, a vast advantage in getting her message out. Plus she has the name recognition associated with her mother. So that may have helped with voters too. Right. So the number two in the race, uh, as the results stand now, who, um, you know, if, if, if we do proceed with a runoff would be Marco Contreras, uh, the only Republican in the race. Um, what helped his message resonate with voters, do you think? And do he and the other candidates uh, who uh, came in so much further behind uh, Dr. Weber have futures in politics, do you think? Well, most of them have some experience in politics as um, organizers, as labor organizers, um, members of professional associations, or um, have been active in their party. So, so they could certainly pursue in a, a future efforts in politics or, or run for other elected offices. Whether they choose to do so, you know, they have not said yet. But um, in this case, um, it looks like if Akil Weber's lead holds, of course, she will take the seat outright. And if it doesn't, she will go into a runoff almost certainly with Marco Contreras, the only candidate to um, approach her, her um, vote total. Uh, and I think his message probably just resonated with small business owners and, um, and other people who were anxious to get out from under pandemic restrictions. He's been chafing at the economic burden of the pandemic. And he had a message of um, reopening uh, relatively quickly and getting business back on track. So I, I think that was probably his strongest message. He's also the only Republican in the race. So any Republican or conservative voters likely gravitated to him. So this is a special election. It's only the voters in the 79th district who were voting. How was the turnout? The turnout was relatively low. Um, as of last night, the number was 18.4% of the more than 300,000 eligible voters had actually returned ballots. Um, the register is expecting a little under another 10,000 in provisional or um, mail-in ballots that were dropped off at polls or mailed on election day. Um, so that'll bring it up a little bit higher, but it's still, it's far below the turnout of a general election or even a, a broader primary. Um, but the registrar says that that's typical for special elections, that the turnout is you know, just a fraction of the people who could vote. And were there any other major factors that you think contributed to this, um, either the results or just the election in general, whether that be the pandemic or uh, voter registration in this region, um, anything like that that you were kind of watching for? Well, I think the pandemic certainly played a big role. Um, as as we as I mentioned, uh, Dr. Shelley Weber is a medical doctor. She has uh, founded some adolescent clinics at uh, Rady's Hospital and UCSD, and so she has a very strong medical background. So that that certainly helped her get her message out that she was the the person to handle the reopening process and vaccination rollouts and. Uh, dealing with variant strains, as well as her broader message of trying to promote healthy communities for the area, which has a high number of minority communities and um, and a very uh, ethnically diverse population. Um, and so her message was she wants to promote healthy 
businesses, healthy education systems, healthy neighborhoods. Um, so I, I think that resonated now and um, everybody's been in some form of quarantine for every year. Right. My next question was going to be now, because she is so much of the front runner, um, based on these results we have so far. And again, you said her fundraising and, you know, name recognition and those sorts of things. Um, what else did we need to know about her? But it sounds like, you know, healthy, healthy lifestyles and health equity were really kind of the platform that she ran on. Yeah, it certainly was, was the overarching theme of her campaign. Okay. And when will we have um, a more definitive result or um, what are you kind of watching for now? Well, um, the election will be certified on April 15th. Um, so it's, it's a relatively quick turnaround for certification, but that's when it's finally, finally official. But we should know by Friday night pretty reliably what the results are because that is the final date for any mail-in ballots to be received at the registrar. Awesome. So yeah, that is quick. It's, it's, it's nice to know we'll know for sure soon instead of, you know, so far much later, like we experienced in the general. <laughs> right. Um, anything else you feel like we should know about this election or kind of what you saw from covering it? Um, it was a really interesting election. The district itself is a unique area. It's very ethnically diverse with higher numbers of um, Hispanic, Black, and Asian residents than San Diego as a whole. Um, so it's, it's, definitely a different uh, cultural mix. Um, and the candidates were very ethnically diverse field. You had um, two black women, one Hispanic woman, one white woman, and one um, Hispanic male. And um, so it was a pretty good uh, representation of, of the district itself. So voters certainly had a, a broad choice of people to choose from. Um, and there was some discussion, and we covered this as well, about whether um, a, whether voters should elect a Black woman to fill Shirley Weber's seat, since Weber herself was one of only two Black women assembly members at the time that she left, leaving that, that body with just one um, Black woman assembly member and one other in the state Senate. Um, so that was one of the questions that some of the party leaders and, and local political leaders posed in this campaign. The voters seem to have um, followed through with that and elected Akilah Weber to fill her mother's seat in the state assembly. Now let's turn to opinion. Laura Castaneda is the community opinion editor at the Union Tribune, and she's here to talk about some upcoming commentary pieces written and submitted by people in the community. Laura, welcome to NewsFix. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Abby. So for people who don't know, op-eds, which we often refer to as commentaries, are essays that represent the opinion or perspectives of someone with insight on the news, usually a stakeholder or some sort of expert. Laura tries to find a variety of voices and perspectives for op-ed packages that often surround one certain topic or news story. So Laura, what is the big topic for this weekend? So this time we are going to do a trio of essays on breastfeeding. And it is a topic that um, is very emotional. It's very personal and it can be controversial. Uh, believe it or not, because there uh, is a stigma here in the United States that women need to cover up. And there's another sector of the 
uh, population that feels like, you know, why? <laughs> why do I need to cover up? So there's two very strong sides to this uh, and probably more than two. Yeah, I know I've seen a sort of movement on social media to kind of be more revealing and, and more direct and realistic about the experience of breastfeeding. So I'm excited to read these pieces. Um, did this subject, I, did this idea come from the opinion team or did these people approach you uh, with these story ideas? Kind of both. And what happened was I had received an unsolicited piece by a mother who donates to a milk bank at UCSD. So I held that piece for a minute, you know, just as we were doing other, other essays. And then lo and behold, um, I believe it was the Grammys that was on um, one of the big shows, entertainment shows, and they aired a spot in that um, awards show that featured the struggle of women breastfeeding. And it was the first time that an awards show had done that. And it turns out that one of the women that was in that commercial is from San Diego. So I saw a post on social media by her mom, um, just congratulating her for doing it. She just had twin girls. So um, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, let's see, let's ask her to write. So I did, and she wrote uh, a great piece, very emotional piece. And then we had the, the woman who's donating to the milk bank. And then I also reached out to a doctor um, at one of the hospitals that is more well-known here in San Diego uh, for newborns and breastfeeding. And so a doctor weighed in on that about how nutritional it is and also that it's not so easy for new moms that they have a lot of, uh, a lot of issues sometimes. Yeah, so definitely a lot of interesting perspectives coming to this issue. What are some of the other points that are being made in, in these pieces? Well, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but again, going back to telling you that it is a very emotional and personal issue. Um, I myself, when I had my uh, child who's now 14, um, when he was an infant, I went to Mexico with him and I was just, you know, I, I'm Mexican American, so a little ingrained in my American ways. And I went over there and I never felt so free in my life with a newborn because you're, you know, you're struggling, your emotions are all over the place, your hormones are all over the place and you're trying to just feed your baby. And I was just so, so, so touched by how nobody stared. There was women all over the streets feeding their babies at any hour of the day. And no, the children didn't stare at you. The elderly people didn't stare, it was just so natural. And then I came back to San Diego and, you know, after having that experience, you don't want to cover up and hide. You don't want to go in a bathroom, you know, and luckily I wasn't in a situation with pumping at work, which is another whole issue that I hope, you know, women will weigh in on. Um, but even someone close to me here in my own home, not, and not, was, wasn't my husband, but somebody close to me that I'm related to said, oh, can you cover up? My kids are here, you know? So it's just kind of the whole stigma thing. And I think um, the conversation really needs to be had. Yeah, definitely an issue that not just affects the women uh, who are breastfeeding, but the conversation and the experiences surrounding it, as you said. So um, I, I think maybe the women listening out there, if you have more to say on this issue, Laura is the person to contact and especially uh, pumping at work. I think that would be a great series. Yeah. Well. And you know, yeah, absolutely. And now that people are not going to their offices that much, I think that the whole dynamic will change, but you know, that was an issue a lot when women 
had to um, go into the restroom to pump and yeah. some companies started uh, creating spaces, comfortable spaces for women to do it. I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot to it. And, you know, if, whether you're a mom or not, like it is something that I think everybody should try to understand, or at least, um, at least be willing to, to learn a little bit about it because for a long, 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 long time, I didn't want any children. I did not want children. And so I never even, you know, it didn't phase me if I ever saw a woman nursing. Um, but some of my girlfriends, you know, started having families and whatnot. And, and we had the discussion a little bit. Um, it's just a very complicated subject. And I think if you talk to different generations of mothers, you'll also hear like your mother or your grandmother have a whole different uh, way of thinking about it. So I think it's a great topic and men should be interested too, because they're very much a part of it. Very much. Right. So uh, those who want to learn, those who need to have some light shed on this subject for them, that will be a great reason to read. Women who want to feel their experiences is represented in the newspaper. The, that'll be great for you too. Just everybody go check them out. Uh, Laura, when can we see these pieces? Um, they are going to publish on Sunday. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a higher profile day because people are allowed to relax a little bit more with the paper. And um, my kudos to everybody on our team, because we really um, talk about what we're going to do for the Sunday pages. And um, Steve Green uh, always comes up with these beautiful illustrations and we talk about them a lot before we publish. So uh, our whole team gets kudos. To learn more about these stories and read them online, go to SanDiegoUnionTribune.com or check out our app in your app store. I'm Abby Hamblin, and this has been your San Diego News Fix.